if you're not 100% sure of the impact your activity has, how can you know what outcomes you can achieve and therefore how you can align those outcomes to business goals? So I think a key starting point of any marketing strategy is asking yourselves the question, you know, where are we now? We believe that to solve the biggest, most complex marketing problems, you have to blur the lines between intuition and reason, imagination and logic, the theoretical and the practical. Join us as we reimagine problem solving with leading B2B marketers on B2B Marketing Solved. We're your hosts, Richard and Benedict. Benny. We are meeting Ruth Connor today, Rich. We're meeting Ruth Connor. And, and that is Ruth of Calibrate, who I believe is the CMO there. And has got an extensive experience and interestingly has not only worked corporate, you know, she's done Booper back in the beginning of her career. I think she did legal in general as well. But she also actually worked on agency side as well, albeit for one of our competitors. So their name shall remain nameless. I think it's going to be really, really fascinating to see what her perspectives are from being each side of the fence. We're all friends in B2B, I won't worry about it. But uh, she also has done many talks at B2B Marketing. And today we're going to be talking about, what are we talking about? (laughs) What we're talking talking about, Rich. (laughs) You see, what we're talking about, Rich, is (laughs) we're talking about marketing strategy. And that's, that's a huge topic, but I think that... For me, where I'm hoping this conversation goes is like, let's get some really good fundamentals around what makes a good strategy. But also, I'm really keen to understand how is a strategy a living, breathing document? How does it sort of guide marketers and give them that sort of flexibility to express themselves and actually get after those opportunities in real time, rather than it being a straight jacket that they've got to operate in? So yeah, I'm going to be really interested to hear how Ruth uh, balances those two sort of competing demands. Yeah. Let's kick off by asking, in your opinion, what does a marketing strategy look like and ultimately who's responsible for it? Yeah, I think that's a really good starting point. And I think for me, a marketing strategy should describe the activity needed to achieve your business goals and your vision and kind of marketing's role in delivering those things. And I think it needs to be owned by ultimately the most senior person in the organisation for marketing. That's not to say you might have your team feed in to help you create it. But I think ultimately, if you're the head of department or the marketing director or the CMO and the book stops with you, then you should be the overall kind of guardian for the marketing strategy. I think there needs to be a really clear difference between strategy and tactics. I think I'm sure one of the questions we'll get to is why marketing teams struggle with with writing a strategy. And I think we've all kind of been led down a very a tactical, in particular, digital path. And and tactics are an important part of the planning process, but they're how you go about delivering the strategy that you set out and should come later. And I think there are a few really useful frameworks that teams can look at in terms of building their marketing strategy. My CEO reminded me that there's a really old marketing textbook written by Wilson and Gilligan, and his preferred marketing strategy is the template that they suggest. I think more recently, there's a really useful template by uh, PR Smith called Sostak, which I think lots of teams use because it's quite pragmatic and, you know, it guide you through a series of questions around your strategy and it does get to tactics and budget and it talks about measurement so I think that's something that you know on my on the training courses I deliver for 
people like the IDM, we use the SOSDAC model or a version of the SOSDAC model quite a bit as a starting point for delivering marketing strategy. And I think the final thing a marketing strategy should, should cover off is, you know, it ultimately is a description of how you're going to compete in your given market. And that is not just about describing what it is that you are going to do, but also a set of choices that you have that you're not going to deliver because they're not in keeping or aligned to your strategy and your business vision. So it's just as important to kind of say what you're not going to do, in my opinion, in your marketing strategy, as well as lay down your actual plans. Now, 100%. I think there's there's a nice quote, and actually I can't remember who said it, but strategy is deciding what you're not going to do, less so than actually what you are going to do, because that's, I think, a common mistake. A lot of people, it's not just about marketing, it's, I think, business more generally and life more generally is that you have all of these opportunities, all these things you want to achieve, and then you actually achieve nothing because you're trying to go for too much. And actually having that focused approach is really, really, really helpful. I wanted to pick up on something you said at the beginning when you were talking around what a marketing strategy is, and you you talked about this idea of that a marketing strategy should be designed to ultimately deliver the business goals. And you know, that's something which, you know, from my observations, is not always quite there in terms of that understanding of what the business is trying to achieve. And then working out how marketing can actually be sort of in service of that and actually help deliver it. From your experience and observations, do you feel that that is one of the, the fundamental problems still that exists around marketing strategy? Is it it's not integrated enough with what the business is trying to achieve? And there isn't that sort of, I suppose, consultation and um, exchange between marketing and the actual business itself? I think that's a really fair question. And one of the things I I often say to marketers when I meet them is about truly understanding what's important to your business and you know ultimately how your business makes money is really important and I think sometimes marketing teams can be a bit adrift from the center and they're not close enough to understand their business strategy and therefore their kind of marketing strategy I think ends up being a series of tactics that they know how to do or that are broadly the right channels, but whether it's truly delivering on the business strategy, I think is another matter. And I think you make a really important point there about maybe that is one of the challenges why marketers struggle with creating an actionable marketing strategy because they're not close enough to the business. Maybe they haven't been asking the right questions of their board or their senior leadership team. I think to write a good strategy as well requires collaboration. And that is effort because it's it's just, it's outside of purely what you can control. And you do need to work with other stakeholders across the business. And that takes time. And I think that can be quite off-putting for a lot of marketers setting out on in terms of writing a, a strategy. I think also marketing teams who don't properly measure the impact of their activity will always struggle writing a strategy because if you're not 100% sure of the impact your activity has, how can you know what outcomes you can achieve and therefore how you can align those outcomes to business goals? So I think a key starting point of any marketing strategy is asking yourselves the question, you know, where are we now? You know, looking back at the previous year, what worked, what didn't go quite go, go to plan, what could have gone better? You know, what did we learn about our customers? What did we learn about our brand? Uh, what did we learn about our abilities to deliver marketing activity? And that uh, that kind of assessment of the current situation 
in line with the broader vision is a really good starting point from a marketing point of view. And it requires you to be closer to the business and to ask the, the kinds of questions that you raise. Absolutely. And I think that it's just going to be a really, really quite fortuitous segue to Rich here, who is, I think we could probably only describe him as an activist when it comes to <laughs> bridging the divide between marketing and the business. He likes to play Cupid, if you like. So, Rich, I'm just wondering from your perspective, you know, hearing what Ruth has just talked about there, what, what does that bring up for you? Where do you feel that there are those disconnects? Well, actually, it's a pertinent point for many marketers, right? And sometimes that's because the business doesn't get marketing. And sometimes it's because the marketing department hasn't been close enough to the business previously. And, and therefore, even new marketers coming in find a barrier within the organization. What I would actually like to, to ascertain, obviously, when we talk about solving problems, this is obviously a, a problem that's often cited about the marketing community not being close enough to the, the business challenges and context to be able to create a, a robust strategy. If, Ruth, we talk about your time at Calibrate, are you able to give us examples of how you are getting closer to the business and understanding the, the needs and the challenges at, at this precise moment in time? That happens for me in a couple of ways. So firstly, you know, we have a really good town hall uh, kind of schedule. So each month the exec team brief the business about what's happening and what's coming up. And that gives us insight into kind of the direction of travel and how we're doing versus that direction of travel. I'm quite fortunate that I also have regular one-to-ones with the CEO and I ask him what's on his to-do list and what his priorities are. And that gives me really good insight into the broader kind of business strategy. And then, you know, like most businesses, we go through a planning process where we're, you know, we're planning, you know, from a, from a budget point of view. And our chief revenue officer briefs me about the, the makeup of the budget and how that breaks down into its different component parts by kind of product line, by territory, And that then is a starting point for me and my team to go, Okay, so if this is the broader business context, what role does marketing play in delivering some of these kind of business initiatives? And that can range from, you know, projects around the brand to delivering specific product launch campaigns or customer initiatives. And what we what we try to do is. And this is something I say a lot on the training courses I deliver as a starting point is, you know, we try and link all of our activity back to a commercial goal or purpose. So what outcome are we trying to achieve or what customer behavior are we trying to change as a result of doing this marketing activity? And that helps us. I'm not saying that's perfect. And I'm sure there are lots of other businesses, you know, who who could talk to this as well. But for us, you know, asking the right questions of the right people and listening to kind of company briefings with that marketing planning hat on are the things that help me work out. Okay, so if this is the business strategy and this is the business context, what does that mean from a marketing point of view? It helps me distill what role does marketing play in achieving some of those business goals and that business vision. And like I said, that can be all the way from the brand and the website, the campaigns that we run to the customer comms that we deliver. It's a nice thing in terms of, you know, really maintaining that focus on actually what are the business outcomes or what are the sales outcomes that they might be. There's quite a nice little anecdote. And I think it's the... It was either the CEO or the, I think it was actually the CMO of Under Armour. And in his office, he always had a space on his whiteboard just dedicated to 
the, the words sell more sneakers and you know maintaining that focus at all times and reminding yourself that actually you know, marketing's not for marketing's sake actually marketing is for that end outcome i think is is really helpful sorry did you well the only thing i would say yeah. is it's not just about selling sneakers it's about selling sneakers at a profit right and typically obviously when we work with marketers, sometimes when you talk about the divide between marketing and sales, that's as far as it gets. It's not the divide between marketing sales and sales and the business or marketing and the business. And that's a, quite a different thing. Just because we're selling a lot of products doesn't mean that it's the right product for the business, nor it's profitable in, in some instances. Obviously, I don't quite know if that's... The, the it's all right. Well, I mean, I think that we can, we can get in touch with the guy at Under Armour and just say, look, you need to put a couple of asterisks next to that and say, sell more sneakers at a profit, at an operationally sort of like sound and sustainable like level. Thanks. For that. Uh, Thanks. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I mean, I think you, you're clearly right. Yeah, if you look at there is... Um, something called the OKR framework, so objectives and key results. And when you look, and in a previous company that I've worked at, this was really at the heart of the business. And, you know, if you take the main objective as to sell more sneakers, the OKR kind of framework actually makes you uh, step back from that and go, so, okay, so what would be the starting point of selling more sneakers? And that might be, you know, understanding the consumer's demand for sneakers and how trends have changed, you know, and that 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 might mean that might lead you on to then how you position your brand and the products that you have available. So actually, we might start with something like that. But to truly deliver that, you have to work back through a series of steps to create the right environment for your business to sell more sneakers. So I think, you know, when you look at frameworks like OKRs, they take statements like that and they encourage you to think about all the kind of inputs required to get to that output. Mm. And that might start right at the beginning by better understanding your end customer. So I imagine you might have that as a reminder, but there's probably a lot more in the back Absolutely. of his mind to get to that point. <laughs> And I think actually, just what you were saying there is, you know, really, really chimed with me. And you, you were talking about like, there needs to be that understanding of, you know, the marketplace, the, the role that brand plays, everything like that. And I think that this is where I feel it needs to be that two way street between marketing and, and the business. One side, you've got to be have this realization that, you know, marketing is there to achieve the business objectives. But it can't just be a case, I think, for that the objectives are sort of cascaded down from the CEO through the chief revenue officer and then marketing, okay, well, how do we deliver it? It absolutely is a two-way street, as I said. And what you're talking about there in terms of understanding the marketplace, understanding, you know, actually from a sort of an, an audience perspective or a consumer behavior perspective, what does this mean in terms of our business strategy? And that's where I feel that marketing can be really empowered in actually feeding back into the business and ultimately having an influence over business strategy as well. I think that's a great point you make. And one of the anecdotes I've heard in my career is, Nihito, nothing interesting happens in the office. And the kind of premise behind it is that to take a market-led approach to marketing, you have to regularly talk to the market. So yeah. I would always encourage marketeers to be uh, where they have the opportunity to be meeting customers to be meeting prospects to be accompanying sales teams on meetings or to trade shows wherever they have the opportunity to listen and understand 
directly from the customer or the prospect. I think that, you know, you're spot on. That that has to be a key starting point. And, you know, I think for if the, if a marketing team are in a position to be able to own insights like that from the market and drive that back through the business in terms of demand, then I think that's a great place to be. And it might also come from feedback through things like customer satisfaction surveys or customer events that you might hold, or we try and have product sales and marketing meetings on a quarterly basis by each of our main product lines. And the, the idea is that we all come to the table with our insights from you know, us from our campaign and looking at our competitors, product coming from the feedback that they've been getting from customers and sales feeding back from the prospect conversations that have been having. And bet, you know, the more you can better understand what's happening outside of the office, I think the more in tune you can be and then you can act as the champion for that insight up through the business. I think that's a really relevant point. When, when we talk about marketing strategy, the best way to be heard within a business to present a strategy or even to get up the business is to, for the business to feel like you're involved with everyone else. And obviously we've gone through a, a different period over the last 18 months and that's meant that our world has become more remote. We can't just head over to someone's desk in the office and, and have a chat. And I think for some marketers, it's made their lives a little bit more difficult in getting closer to the business. Have you got any practical advice that you'd give marketers li listening to this podcast to help them drive different conversations and find the answers within the business today? Yeah, it's interesting because then there used to be a phrase something like culture eats strategy for breakfast. I kind of think like location eats culture and strategy for breakfast now because <laughs> I think it is harder, you know, for teams that are ordinarily used to being in the same office, you know, and picking up all of that kind of anecdotal stuff that in, informs your daily thinking. And I think really as teams, you have to kind of go about trying to recreate those moments but using kind of Teams or Slack or uh, Zoom or whatever channels you have at your disposal. So what we have tried to do is create, is try to identify who our key stakeholders are in getting this information from and create touch points with them. So that, so for example, I mentioned these meetings that we have with product sales and, and marketing, and that's a really important kind of avenue for us that we set out at the start of the year because um, actually our business has become quite global over the last two years. So actually, you know, whether we're all in Manchester or not is a bit irrelevant because actually half our colleagues now are in the US. So we actually have need to find other ways to collaborate uh, and communicate. So and sometimes you might have to reframe meetings because otherwise you just feel like you're in meetings. But some meetings are actually useful because they're out they're about exchanges of information that will help you inform your plan. So I, I personally would start by trying to document who all your key stakeholders are, you know, who would be able to help give you the right information you need to develop your marketing strategy. And then, you know, create touch points with them. So you could either write them a brief and try and do it, you know, through a text exchange or you can organize a formal meeting where you brief them and you ask them for the information that you're looking for and they come back to you. But I think you have to proactively go out and ask people for that information because you're not going to bump into somebody or overhear something like you might have done when you were all in the office. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. And the one thing I was going to say, a bit of practical advice, actually, for the listeners, when you are thinking about your stakeholders, we've done it recently internally and with a few other clients, a really easy example of something to be able to do to map your key stakeholders, whether they be internal or external, is draw an archery target with five rings on a piece of paper right on the side of that piece of paper, maybe 10 to 15 different stakeholders within the business. So sales, finance, product, whatever it is, and then start mapping out those uh, stakeholders. The closer to the middle they are, the more key they are to you, which gives you a very easy way to prioritize. It's a simple tip, but it's uh, worked quite well for us. Yeah, absolutely. And and you end up actually plotting your colleagues on a dartboard or an archery target. So you know, there's, a, there's probably probably a bit of a voodoo dimension in that as well, but let's <laughs> let's not go down that route. I wanted to just pick up on what we were just talking there around you know dealing with remote working, and the reason why we're dealing with remote working is because we've undergone you know a huge amount of change, which is an obvious thing to say. But we've gone undergone a huge amount of change in the past um, two years. So I'm interested to understand is when you undergo that sort of change, and let's let's face it, like change is going to be a constant, irrespective of the pandemic. How do you make sure that a marketing strategy is a living, breathing document rather than being something which is, you know, set in stone and doesn't have that sort of flexibility? How do you make sure that on an ongoing basis you are recalibrating and um, picking up the different nuances and learnings that you get along the way? That's a really great question. And I'm really glad you asked that. So I think... I remember once arriving in a new job and I got given a copy of the marketing strategy and it was about the size of a very chunky, thick textbook. And I was like, wow, this is impressive. That is one almighty marketing strategy that's been documented. But in itself, I think that is a problem because uh, how can you possibly kind of sign up to maintaining and keeping that a living, breathing document if it's such a weighty tone? So one of the things that I was reading about recently is, um, you know, Mark Ritson, esteemed marketeer, talks about 20 slides that could be presented in 60 minutes. So I think if we think about that kind of size of task, and then I think depending on the kind of rhythm of your business. So most organisations have a yearly budget planning cycle and by budget I mean revenue and spend so it probably makes sense to commit to doing a 12-month plan and not much longer I would say and then you might find yourself in a situation where you do your target is broken down into months or quarters so I would say let's say it's quarters and I think you would be looking to review your kind of your activity on a quarterly basis but if you actually get to the nuts and bolts of what strategy really focuses on so you kind of start by describing kind of where you are now and where you want to get to and in the way you want to get to you talk about things like segmentation targeting and positioning they're the main three things from a marketing strategy point of view and truthfully they probably won't change that frequently unless there are kind of major macro shifts or events so I would say that the stuff that's likely to change on a more frequent basis are the tactics because you might have gone um, through Q1 and delivered a campaign to this particular segment you know and 
you've reviewed the campaign and this worked and this didn't work. So when you come to build your next campaign, you might decide that you're going to try some different channels or some different tactics. So that's not a fundamental shift away from your marketing strategy. What you're just doing is reflecting on what worked and what didn't in Q1 and how can I change the tactics to deliver that strategy. I would say some of the more strategic aspects. So if you think back to segmentation, targeting and positioning, positioning is largely around your brand and your value proposition. And that doesn't change kind of radically on a frequent basis unless you're going through a big rebrand or a repositioning or you've acquired new businesses or you're launching new products. Segmentation and targeting might change. So the pandemic might have opened up new new segments and target markets for you. You know, but I think that amount of change is unlikely to happen on a, a very frequent basis. So I think, you know, 20 slides that could be delivered in 60 minutes, a couple of slides on where we are now and a a chunk of slides on segmentation, targeting and positioning, then the high level channels you're going to use to deliver that and a, a kind of bit of a planner, campaign planner and a budget. And I think that could be your guiding light for the rest of the year. And then each quarter you go back and say, right, are we delivering in line with the strategy that we set out and being more cognizant of if you are deviating from it, are you deviating from it for the right reasons or actually do you actually need to pull yourself back and and stick to that segmentation, that targeting and that positioning? So I think not over committing with the size of your marketing strategy, thinking about something that's practicable and actionable and having a review cycle that's in line with the rhythm of your business. So whether that's, you know, you plan on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis. And I think if you get in the habit of delivering kind of monthly reports on your marketing activity, you actually make that job of keeping, you know, yourself in check easier because you've got a natural review point that you're doing kind of every four to five weeks. And I think that that is the basis of being able to kind of ride to marketing strategy and use it as a beacon to guide you for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, another dimension of that and, you know, a reason why you shouldn't have something which is so long as you just described and overly prescriptive is that ultimately that does stifle creativity and also that opportunity to be sort of entrepreneurial as a marketer. And we all know that one of the best ways of actually engaging your audience is to be sort of contemporary, is to be relevant. And therefore you need to be responding and reacting to what's going on within their particular sort of context and and their environment. So yeah, I'm a, a huge advocate and I completely agree with you that it's about providing that framework and those set of references, but to give people that freedom to actually spot the opportunities in real time and activate on them. And then importantly, having those checkpoints so you can have that continual sort of optimization. I think that's absolutely spot on. Yeah. And having a strategy, I don't think stops you from being opportune or taking advantage Mm. of things as they come up what it should do is help you decide if they're the right things to do you know so I think like my point about it being a beacon for decision making this is where something might come up and you have to ask yourself well does this help us get close to closer to our vision does it help us deliver more of the business strategy and the marketing strategy? And if the answer is yes, and it is a change of tactic, then I think that's great. But equally, as you know, we discussed right at the start, having a marketing strategy is also about saying what you're not going to do. So sometimes mm. it might be that 
you know, that thing that is of the moment isn't right for your business and isn't right for your strategy. And jumping on that bandwagon, you know, wouldn't get you closer to your vision and your goals. So it's about being brave and it's about being, being brave to try new stuff when it comes up that you think will really help, but also say you no know to some stuff as well, I think. And I think it's about the times, right? You know, 10 years ago, there were only certain op- opportunities that were available to marketers to be able to activate campaigns. There were only certain channels that they could they could go through and there were only certain ways of working. Whereas fast forward to now, and there are different opportunities every day that will come up through different channels, through new ways of getting in touch with people. And obviously, over the last 18 months, the world's gone far more virtual. Well, that could dissuade people from the strategy. But let's not forget, the idea is still the same. We're trying to create an end goal, but uh, an end destination, if you like. But how we get to that end destination could change, whereas previously, we might have only had one way of getting there. And it's quite a, a prevalent point. I think that's a really good point, because if you think about the last two years and you might in your marketing strategy, you might have defined the segment that you are wanting to target and you might have some insight into certain channels being more likely where that target audience are and then and certain channels not being relevant. But then actually our communication consumption habits changed so much over the last two years, you might find yourself Previously, you had uh, ruled out, I don't know, uh, social media because not enough of your audience were on social media or you'd ruled out webinars because people preferred to meet face to face. And actually, because of communication preferences changing because of the change that was forced on us, like you say, new channels are then opened up to you that you might have not been able to use previously. But that comes from truly understanding who your customer is and truly understand how your segment behaviour is changing over time and what new channels they're adopting and where are they? You know, where can we find our segments? Where can, What channels are they in? What channels are they adopting? And how has that changed over the last two years? Yeah, I think you make a great point that you know, we need to follow the customer and see how their habits and, and behaviours are changing. And we speak about being bold, as, as Benny said, and brave. Ultimately, half of my argument is, well, just because everyone else isn't targeting people in a certain place doesn't mean that you shouldn't, if there's a sound rationale to do so. It might mean that you're exploiting a gap in the market that no one else is. Yeah, and it comes down to what you were saying earlier around marketing being the custodian of those insights. You know, if marketing are there to understand the market and they see the shift before anyone else and that means you can capitalize on those opportunities i think that's a i know mean, i'm rewinding a little bit in terms of our conversation but that idea of marketing being that custodian i think is, um, is really really powerful i've just got a, a sort of a question and it's um it's probably not the, as glamorous a question as some of the other areas that we've, we've spoken about but i think the marketers will be interested in this is now i do want to make the distinction between strategy and planning as you said i think strategy actually has a slightly more enduring shelf life than just a sort of year to year sort of marketing budget or marketing plans but for you when you are leading into a new financial year what does that lead up look like in terms of planning you know what are the time frames who do you involve within that and what are the different considerations you make because i think that i think all marketers actually are all fascinated to understand how other people approach it yeah, I think for me there are two key two key routes, I suppose. And sometimes you might find yourself in a situation where you're doing a top-down kind of plan. So you might be given a target or a, a budgetary amount and your challenge is set by saying, right, you know, 
here's the target we're aiming for and here's here's the marketing budget you can have 10 percent more than you had last year and then it's about taking that and working on a top-down basis to get to your to your plan sometimes you uh depending on the team that you're in and how close you are to driving revenue you might be asked to do a bottom-up plan so you might be asked you know marketing as a revenue generating channel how much revenue do you think you can generate this year? And that's what I would call the more bottom-up approach. So, you know, all of the teams that would be responsible for generating revenue are asked that same question, and that is rolled up into one overall budget. And then typically an exec team would then decide if that's if that's kind of enough to where you want to get to to meet your broader business goals. So I think you could expect to brief a top-down brief or a bottom-up brief depending on your business. Um, I think typically I've worked in a number of different businesses and they've all taken a slightly different approach, but it tends to start, you know, a good few months out. So somewhere between three and four months out and sometimes even longer where you start thinking about the year ahead. So it starts by trying to forecast the remainder of the year and then how that might run into the next year. And it is about having those conversations, like I mentioned earlier, with, you know, maybe doing your archery map of who your stakeholders are that you need to engage to ask of the right questions. You know, so things like, you know, what products are due to be launched next year or are there any product upgrades being made uh, or updates being made that we think need communicating or are going to have revenue expectations off the back of it? You know, are there any major events happening in the business that might influence the marketing activity that we do and I think you know it's about looking back at what you did this year and how that activity got instigated to come up with a set of questions that you can engage your stakeholders with to truly understand okay so this is the shape of what might be happening next year and then organizing that into maybe kind of buckets of activity so you might organize it into you know customer communications or product launches or demand generation depending on the remit of your team and then you can then start kind of planning at a more granular level each of those kind of main buckets of activity an area that i just wanted to is around sort of the fact that you're, you used to work on an, in an agency, is that right? You've worked both agency side and also marketing side. Firstly, and this is this doesn't need to be any sort of like particular sort of profound insight, but I'm always fascinated to know, what do you feel is the sort of the biggest un- misunderstanding that agencies have of marketers? And then I suppose conversely, marketers have of agencies, given that you've worked on both sides and you've seen the two perspectives. I think for me, the where agencies add the most value is where you treat them as an extension of your team. And that means, you know, sharing the objectives, sharing the business strategy with them, um, getting them involved in that kind of strategy planning process. I think, you know, they need to have skin in the game in the same way that you and your team do. And I think, you know, clients um, who keep their agencies at arm's length and maybe, you know, give them quite niche or specific briefs that don't allow for a bit of broader thinking are possibly losing out on interesting views that are different from yours. So, and I think there's that's, there's a lot of value in that. I think on the other side of the fence where, where agencies maybe don't quite truly understand what it's like to be a client is that you spend a lot of your time in meetings, you're juggling lots of different priorities 
they are just one of the tiny list of things you might need to get to on a given day or in a given week. And, you know, sometimes things do change in a business and priorities do change. So I think agencies need to strike a balance of being cognizant to the challenges clients have around, you know, budgets, changing priorities and the volume of work. But they also still need to stretch and challenge you a little bit because there's really little point in appointing an agency to just tell you exactly what you already know. You go to an agency to have your views challenged, to see things differently, to get a value and perspective that you don't have internally. So I would say the best agencies are really good at being cognizant of the fact that we are juggling all these different things, but they still find a way of tactically pushing us to be brave and take some of those bolder moves because ultimately that's why we employ them. Yeah, definitely. And I think that it should be a role that agencies absolutely you know, relish that idea of being constructively provocative almost in terms of sort of helping to move the needle and being the ones that really sort of take you to the point of truth, which is so important within um, within marketing. I do think it's obviously both sides need to see it in, in the way that you mentioned. And then sometimes, you know, we work with clients and we recognise that they don't, they're not bringing us in the fold enough and it's really difficult because then we can't challenge, we can't help and that's not what they want. And there have been some occasions where we've just had to say, look, this, this won't work working in this way. But it's that was really insightful hearing it from your perspective, having worked both sides. Thanks, Ruth. Excellent. So uh, other than Rich, who would you most <laughs> like to take for lunch in B2B marketing? <laughs> not me. <laughs> so I actually think the most useful people to take to lunch would be your customers and your prospects. And I say that because it comes back to my earlier point of nothing interesting happens in the office. And I really believe that the best marketeers are the ones, like you said, who drive and own the insight agenda in a business. So I think getting your customers round the table, why did they choose you? How do we help them deliver on the business challenges uh, that they've got? And equally, I probably want some people who didn't choose us to understand, well, why didn't you choose us and who's doing it better? There are a couple of, I think, people that are, you know, I do admire. So I would probably like to meet the guys who who uh, invented HubSpot because I think they, you know, they created this whole kind of inbound category that has been quite defining from a B2B point of view. So I think they'd be quite good people to have a chat to. And uh, Joe Polizzi from the Content Marketing Institute has the smiliest face in B2B marketing. So I think he'd be quite positive and good value to have a chat to over lunch as well. There we go. So you gave the textbook interview answer first up, which is about, you know, forever on market researcher. And then we've actually got to who you'd really like to take for lunch because they're smiley. So I think that's that's perfect in terms of a sort of a balance. I think I'm going to have to smile more though. So. <laughs> All right. And um, I suppose the, the other question that we did uh, quite rightly put on there, so uh, is who taught you the most about B2B marketing? Yeah. So I was having to think about this because I have to admit, I'm a B2C marketer at heart. So I spent the first half of my career working in B2C marketing. And I think what that does is it does kind of instill in you this kind of customer first thinking, setting objectives and also measuring the impact of your activity. Because, you know, when I started my marketing career, they were the three main things that were kind of drummed into me. And then many years later, I met 
brilliant, inspiring woman called Shane Redding, who she was the B2B tutor at the IDM. And I went to do my postgrad marketing diploma. And she actually opened my eyes to how exciting B2B marketing could be. And at the time, I was in a role that was half B2B and half B2C. And I actually made a conscious choice at that point that B2B marketing was uh, where I wanted to be. So Shane Redding is the person that's taught me most about kind of B2B marketing over the years. And now I'm quite lucky that I have a good network of other marketing directors who I tap into and I learn something from them every time I speak to them. So I feel like I'm still learning. You know, marketing is one of these disciplines. And I think you yourself said, Richard, there's always new things to kind of get to grips with and to understand. So I don't think you really ever stop learning from a marketing point of view. That's the fun of it. One last question, I suppose, is if you knew someone that could share more learnings who do you think should be our next guest uh, on the podcast call them out get them on oh, god oh, i don't know i will like the ice bucket challenge yeah, I, was about to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think shane reddin is a, it you know i think she's helped me a lot she speaks she's an independent kind of marketing consultant now she speaks to loads of different organizations and you know uh, she's particularly good in the international from an international kind of marketing space and I think that would be helpful I think to have somebody who can focus on those things Um, there's a chap called Andrew Last who I used to work with at Ernest who's now at, at Harvard and he has some really interesting insights on the use of storytelling from a b2b point of view and you know how to engage uh, customers and prospects and he's got some kind of great examples to, to talk through and you know i think there are two other people that i would have a, i would suggest you you speak to but god i'm sure there's loads i you know there's loads of really brilliant b2b marketeers and if you look at who's just won um team of the year at the b2b marketing awards i think they'd be a pretty awesome starting point because they've obviously been through a lot as a team the name the company name escapes me but i was really inspired when i heard some of the stuff that they've done over the last 12 months there's also an amazing lady who i was on a panel discussion with called alice de Corsi, i think she's called at cognizant and she's really kind of thrown out the rule book and taking a different approach to demand generation for her business. So I think she'd be pretty interesting guest, definitely. Fantastic. I do think that maybe we can bring it back to the original question, although I actually think that maybe the original question is not as on the sheet, is not as pertinent as then the question that we posed, because we didn't really talk about the importance of, well, I suppose we did, we just never used the word agile much. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, that's what we spoke about, right? Having a strategy and ensuring that it's fixed enough to be able to make decisions off the back of, but not fixed enough so that you can't be agile and, and make sure that you're uh, making decisions on a monthly or quarterly basis to change it up a bit. Most definitely. I think the another big thing for me that came out was what we discussed at the top, which is that importance of making sure that marketing strategy is directly linked to what the business needs to achieve. So if you think about what are those business outcomes and you use that as your sort of guiding star when you're developing the strategy, that will keep you on point. And I think just as you rightly said there, Rich, it's about making sure that you build in the sort of the flexibility to be able to respond and react, but a, a good strategy and those principles around audience segmentation and positioning, really they do you know, stay true regardless of what is going on around you. 
And you can use that as that sort of criteria to check any of your activity to make sure that you really are delivering what you set out to do. I think that's really, really helpful sort of a tidbit, if you like, for, for marketers. And then finally, as, as Ruth said, a marketing strategy doesn't need to be a 150-page document. I think it needs to be concise, 20 pages long, and you need to be able to go through it as a presentation to get as many people bought in as you possibly can. That's also a, a really, really impactful piece of, uh, of information as well. Excellent. Cool. So, well, thanks very much, Ruth. Thanks, guys. B2B Marketing Solved is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more about us, head to allen-agency.com and make sure to search for Marketing Solved in Apple Podcasts, Spotify or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe so you don't miss any future golden nuggets from the biggest names in B2B Marketing. On behalf of the team here at Allen, Thanks for listening.